0: Uh, we are, we're we're um, going to pick up this afternoon from Acts chapter 20, and this is a great passage for us today at this moment because it brings to light important ways that believers can give and receive encouragement, uh, a Christ-centered encouragement. Now, we do have to be a little careful with uh, here, as we do a lot of passages from the book of Acts, because this passage is an account of what happened. Uh, we believe it's actually historical account of, uh, of the life of, of a few people in the early church. And we want to be careful because it's what actually happened. It's not necessarily a, just a prescription of what should happen. Uh, you're kind of getting to the point of what I'm saying here is, in this passage is an example that we should not follow. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let the, I'm going to spill it right there. There's an example we should not follow in this passage, but yet there are also examples of what we should follow. This is what we call a, a descriptive uh, passage, and, and it's in and the difference between a descriptive passage and a prescriptive passage is that a descriptive passage just tells you what happened. And so it's the real-life story of, of, the, of people in their context and in their time. And then there are prescriptive passages that are directives, that are ways you should go and things you should do. And so when we get to a descriptive passage, we have to be careful, which is sometimes when we use a descriptive passage, we pair it with prescriptive passages. So all that to say uh, we're going to see both uh, this afternoon in Acts chapter 20. So let's jump in. Now, let me invite you to turn to Acts chapter 20 from verse 1. Scripture says, When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sell for Syria. He decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, and Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trophimus, "'from the province of Asia. "'These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. "'But we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread "'and five days later joined the others at Troas, "'where we stayed seven days. "'On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. "'Paul spoke to the people, "'and because he intended to leave the next day, "'kept on talking until midnight.' There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. (laughs) When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. "'Don't be alarmed,' he said. "'He's alive.'" Then the people went then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. <laughs> I love this passage. Uh, and, and right from the very beginning, the word that jumps out in the focus of this passage is encouragement. Encouragement is the theme of this chapter. In fact, the verb parakalio, which means to encourage, appears three times in this passage, in verses 1, 2, and finally at the end in verse 12. After the riot in Ephesus, Paul executed his plans to, to visit Jerusalem via Macedonia and Achaia. We can fill in the details actually here of what happened from Paul's letters to 2 Corinthians and Romans, which he wrote during this time. So Paul went to give an offering to the saints in Jerusalem, a gift that no doubt brought much encouragement to the church and believers. And while making the swing from west to east, Paul had an opportunity to not only collect funds, but to encourage the saints in their faith as he had done earlier in his ministry in Acts 14 and in Acts 15. Acts 14, we see it. It says, They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. It's not hard to understand why encouragement is so important to the Christian walk. I mean, do you ever feel like you need encouragement? You don't even have to answer that question because I know the answer. Everyone needs encouragement. It's because we live in a world where it is so easy to be discouraged. Encouragement, the opposite of it is discouragement. In fact, there's an old story that illustrates this. It says that one day the devil was was getting rid of some of his tools, and so he had a big sale. And he laid out all the tools, some of his favorite tools that he used to 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 get people. And he put them on a on a shelf, and he put prices on them. and And there there they were. They were all laid out. Some of his tools, like pride and and laziness, and arrogance, and hate, and envy, and jealousy. And they were all laid out and marked with prices. But there was one there was one tool that was really ugly tool, and it said. Not for sale, and so somebody asked him, They said, They said to the devil, Why Why are you uh, selling all of these tools, but you won't sell this particular one? What is it? He said, Oh, that tool that's not for sale, it's too valuable because that is the tool of discouragement. I can use it to get into the hearts of almost anybody, and when in, in their heart, I can do anything I want. That's a fictitious story, it didn't really happen. But it proves the point, and it illustrates why it is so important that we do need to encourage each other in life and in ministry. And we have to know that encouragement is authentic encouragement is much more than just saying a few nice things about somebody. I mean, for example, if I were to say, "Manda, you were really nice red shoes uh, this afternoon. If I were to say that, uh, she'd probably appreciate it. Uh, but it it really wouldn 't change her in fact she doesn 't even have red shoes on today, so it wouldn 't even be true, but even if it were true, it really wouldn 't change her that deeply it wouldn 't change the impact of her life or direction or her ministry. Encouragement is much more than just saying a few nice things to somebody it 's a deep conversation it 's a it 's a way to help somebody walk in their, their steps. It's a way to encourage somebody in life and in ministry in a deep, intentional way. And so, in this passage, we see that encouragement goes deep and makes an impact in the lives of those who are following Jesus, which is why we need to be intentional about encouraging each other. Paul was intentional in the work of encouragement. After the uproar, Paul sent for the disciples in order to encourage them. That was his intention, his purpose. Verse 21, it says, when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them. It was his purpose. Paul traveled. As he traveled, he, he actually sought out. He, he made the effort. He took the initiative. He uh, went to people and speaking many words of encouragement to them. We read that in the next verse, in verse 2. The Apostle Paul also gives us a prescriptive word about encouragement. In verse uh, in 1 Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 11, he says, Encourage each other and build each other up. One of the ways that we encourage each other and build each other up is when we intentionally decide to help people grow in their faith. It's, it's the choices. Actually, it's one of the best choices you can make every day of every week is to, to wake up and decide to make an impact and to encourage somebody, to help somebody grow in their faith because everybody is looking for encouragement. Everybody needs some affirmation to do what is right, to follow Christ in the best way possible. It doesn't make any difference. So who you are, we all need encouragement. I remember when Amanda and I were wrestling with our call to leave Michigan and come here to Hungary, we had just attended something that we call a. a it, it was named here the Call Retreat, and so it was a an occasion designed for people wrestling, discerning God's call to international ministry. And so we had we had gone there, and and we begin we're beginning to get a sense, a, a clarity of God's call, and we were actually beginning to take concrete actions to answer that call which which you know we were a little bit nervous you can understand that it was a big step for us I mean we were basically going to sell our house and give up two very good jobs and pull our kids out of everything they've ever known in life and and go to at that point we didn't even know where we were going we were just going to go the Lord was calling us to go and so uh, we, we felt that we needed to go so we were driving back to Michigan, from New Hampshire, New Hampshire, and we're following the the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike uh, it's amazing how God can speak on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. We were on this road, and we were making phone calls, we were kind of getting a sense we were feeling nervous, maybe even a little doubt should we really do it. So we thought, well we're going to reach out to some people and see what kind of encouragement we would get and so we, we began to, to call people who we thought would encourage us, and our first phone call was like. Oh, it didn't sound very good. We weren't very encouraged. <laughs> I mean, we made another phone call, and it didn't go so well either. We thought, oh, no. You know, there just was no energy. Uh, the, instead of encouraging us, the, the phone calls actually began to discourage us. There was no excitement, no energy. Um, and the way they expressed things and concerns about our, us leaving to, to follow God's call, it was all very discouraging until we made one more phone call. I, we made a call to my younger sister, and it was a phone call actually that changed our life because we, when she answered the phone, we told her, oh, we feel God is doing a, a big thing in our life, and, and we're feeling called to to live internationally somewhere. We're going to leave everything here in Michigan. We're going to go, and and we told her that, and she was so excited. She says, oh, what a great opportunity. You guys are going to be so happy when you follow God's plan. I'm so excited that God has given you this opportunity. If I can help, if I can encourage you in any way, just let me know. I'm so excited for you. It was a really short phone call. But let me tell you, that's all we needed. That's all we needed because it empowered us, it encouraged us to take a very big step of faith. And to this day, we are thankful for that word of encouragement. The truth is we need encouragement to grow in our faith. We need others to question us, to help us along the path of discipleship. We just can't do it on our own. We need to lift up each other with sincere hearts, and, and we need to say, how are you doing with your faith? Is there an area of your life that you're struggling with? How can I pray for you? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? By the way, the answer is, can I encourage you? The answer is always yes, because everybody always needs encouragement. We need to affirm in each other's lives that God has gifted us in certain ways, that, that God has given us talents and abilities that will be used best in God's kingdom. He gave you certain abilities and talents, not to use for your own glory, but to use for his kingdom. He gave them to you to bless the world, and and he wants you to use them, and we need encouragement to give and receive encouragement from each other. Anytime you use your talents to help others, it's called your ministry. And God says, I want you to get involved in ministry. I want you to use your talents to help others. I want you to help other people do the same. We need to be intentional about encouraging each other in life and ministry. It leads us to another aspect of encouragement, what we see in Acts chapter 20. We need to be part of a community of encouragement. In this passage, we see that Paul was part of a community of encouragement. First glance, actually, verses 4 through 6 seem to be insignificant details in the story. In fact, when you read these names... Uh, you understand why preachers sometimes like to avoid these passages. The names are hard to pronounce. So we, we struggle a little bit, but yet the, the story is important. I mean, look at these names. So Peter, son of Pyrrhus, of Berea, Arisicus, and Secondus, and, and Tichicus, and Trophimus. I mean, but this was a community of strong leaders. This list of names shows how Paul surrounded himself in the midst of community, and this community grew as a result of Paul's ministry. But so did Paul. Uh, That's important. Uh, Scholars think that the reason Luke actually goes to the effort to list these men was because they were delegates from their churches who were both bringing monetary help and spiritual help to the church in Jerusalem. It was a tangible form of encouragement. It has been said that we need to be part of an encouragement community in three different ways. We need to have someone in our life who passes encouragement to you. You need to have someone who gives you encouragement. And you need to have someone else who comes alongside of you. Someone who gives you encouragement, but yet you also give encouragement to. And then you need someone in your life who you just pour into who you give lots and lots of encouragement. Think of it in terms of of what we see from Paul and Barnabas and Timothy throughout the New Testament. Think about how each of these individuals responded to God's plan and how each one of them interacted with each other. Okay, for example, Paul, the Apostle Paul was somebody with wisdom and insight. You know, you need this person in in your life. You need a person with wisdom and insight Perhaps an older person who is willing to mentor you, to build into your life. Not someone who's smarter or more gifted than you, but somebody who's been down the road a bit. Somebody who's willing to share strengths and weaknesses, everything that's been learned in the laboratory of life. Somebody whose faith you want to imitate. You need someone like a Paul in your life. But you also need a Barnabas. Uh, in the New Testament, Barnabas was known as an encourager. This is somebody who loves you, but be honest, they're not impressed by you. <laughs> this is somebody who's going to walk alongside of you and they're going to help you and they're going to say, they're going to point out some things to you. They're going to hold you accountable. They're going to say, hey, we need to talk about some stuff. And you need to go talk to them. You need to, you need to be with that person. You need to, to have someone who is uh, accountable to you and someone to whom you are accountable. Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Paul writes this. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You need that kind of person in your life. Someone where there is mutual encouragement. And then finally, you need a Timothy in your life. Timothy is known as the recipient of Paul's wisdom and teaching. And so there needs to be somebody in your life who you're investing into, who you're pouring into, who you're encouraging. Somebody whose life you are helping to build. Someone where you are making an investment in their life. And so let me ask you the question, do you have a Paul in your life? If you don't, look around this room. There are there are people here who could be a very good Paul for you. Do you have a a Barnabas in your life? You need someone to help you carry the burden, someone to walk alongside of you. Do you have a Timothy in your life? Somebody that needs you, somebody who you need to pour into because we need to have and be in a community of encouragement. And finally, there's one more thing we see about encouragement from this passage we see that the ministry of encouragement is both word and action. It involves words and actions. Paul demonstrated encouragement by preaching, and then actually he had to do some healing. Uh, Preaching got out of hand, so he had to do some (laughs) healing. Actually, it's my favorite part of the story, because a fellow named Eutychus, preachers do have a little fun with this, uh, because, it, of course, it's a, an example from Scripture that we don't want to follow. So, don't take Eutychus as an example uh, of someone who uh, fell asleep during the sermon. I mean, how would you like to be known throughout all of the, of, of the Scripture as the one who fell asleep during the sermon? Uh, poor Eutychus. Uh, his name actually means lucky or fortunate, but he was unfortunate because he was sleeping by the window and not at all as Paul preached a sermon, on and on and on, it says. Uh, After his deadly three-story fall, God restored his life, and Paul continued preaching. It's, It's a humorous story, because many of us can identify that slow drift that starts to happen. You know, you've been sitting in class for an hour and a half, you got that professor who's going on and on and on. Or maybe there's that sermon that's going on and on and shouldn't, it should not have ended five minutes ago, but that never happens here. Of course, you've just heard about that in other places. You know, actually, preachers, at least good preachers, try very hard to make sure that their sermons are not boring. I have a book in my library that's called Bore, or, uh, Bore No More, Volume one and two. I think my wife got that for me. No, I'm kidding. I probably I probably bought it myself because no preacher wants to be boring. Uh preachers try very hard. But in reality, it probably wasn't a boring sermon that put Eutychus to sleep. Uh it, it was wasn't because Paul's sermon was boring, but more likely because Eutychus was tired. If you read in Acts 20, verse 8, it says there were many lamps in the upstairs room. It was late at night and difficult for a young man who was probably working very hard all day long uh, to stay awake. How can we blame him, right? Well, maybe we can a little bit. Shouldn't fall asleep during a sermon. Of course, that's the preacher saying that. For many years of my life, and even to this day, we practice at my house, a special thing on Saturday night. Uh, the practice is called go to bed. I know it's radical uh, because it actually cuts you out of some things. You know, a lot of people like to plan events on Saturday night. Uh, there are gatherings. There Sometimes there are parties. Sometimes there are movies. Sometimes there are meetings. Sometimes there are all kinds of things. And And over the years, we've had to say, no, thank you. Tomorrow is Sunday, and it's important that we rest. Uh, And even to this day, we practice a Saturday night rest because we want to be well-rested for Sunday to worship and be in community. But let's face it, this part and this section in Acts chapter 20 isn't really about being prepared for Sunday worship. The whole passage and the focus of what we see here is all about encouragement verses 1 and 2, and all the way through 12, uh, we see a variety of encouragement. And even verse 12, most versions have the word comforted. But it's the same Greek word, parakleo, that was in verse 1 and verse 2. It's a term that's used numerous times throughout the New Testament, showing the importance of encouraging each other in the mission. And that's what we see in verse 12. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. They were greatly encouraged. The ministry of encouragement is both words and action. It means that we got to put some feet on our encouragement. And when we do, everyone around will be comforted. I believe that the death and resurrection of Eutychus was no coincidence and actually very appropriate in the context of this passage, because for so many people in our world today, a word or an act of encouragement is the difference between life and death in ministry and in life. I remember a time when Amanda and I had been married. Oh, it was only about a year, and we had just moved to Chicago. I was attending seminary, and we were... Uh, Very poor, neither one of us working and trying to pay student bills. I I know a lot of you can relate to that. And uh, we were so thankful that Amanda had found a teaching job in the middle of the year. What are the chances that there would be a a teaching position open up in the middle of the year? Well, as soon as she started teaching, we realized why there was a, a position open. She was actually the seventh teacher that year in that position. Uh, we, she was teaching uh, in a, an area outside of Chicago, which was the highest gang-related issue area in the whole state of Illinois. And so she would go to school, and there was there was conflict, there was tension, there was violence, and and, and this whole school was was surrounded by that. And she's trying to teach her job, and so she would get so discouraged, and I felt so bad for her that. That I I would I'd offer to drive her to school. So it was okay, except it was a 45-minute drive there and a 45-minute drive back. And then in the afternoon, I'd go get her another 45 minutes and that's about three hours of driving for me every, every Monday. I could only do it one day a week. But Monday was the hardest day for her because she would have, we call it uh, Sunday night disease. It's when you feel really bad about what's going to happen on Monday. So you just kind of, you know. So I would help her on Monday and take her there. After my first semester, though, my schedule freed up a little bit, and I had time to actually do some substitute teaching myself, which was great because it was going to help our, our family income a little bit. But I also had two opportunities to, to substitute teach. One of those opportunities was in a beautiful little community called Naperville, Illinois. Uh, it's one of the wealthiest communities, uh, actually often ranked the number one, one of the number one places to live in, in America. And They had had availability for me to do substitute teaching in some of the nicest schools in the state, and I was excited about that. But yet there was one more opportunity that I could teach in the same district where Amanda taught. Imagine that. They needed substitute teachers. So, well, you can imagine what I did. I chose to teach in Amanda's school district so they would give us one more day a week where we could ride together and share a little bit of the burden. I won't tell you uh, how difficult that was. There were a lot of stories. I'll tell you another time about what that's like. But I do have to tell you, all it was was a, a ministry of presence, an encouragement by presence. It was just showing up, just being there, just walking the difficult road with her, but it made all the difference. And it's a kind of ministry that is possible For any follower of Jesus because in reality Jesus is the one who walks with us Jesus is the one who chose the difficult road he picked the difficult job he chose the extra commitment the extra work to be with us in fact he's the one who comes close he is Emmanuel which means God with us that's what we celebrate at Christmas in Advent, we celebrate that God came close. He is close, and he is still with us today. Maybe that's the encouragement you need. You need to know that God comes close. There's no place you can find in this world that God is not wanting to be with you, that he's not there ready to help you and encourage you. He came to us as a human being, He he gave up everything heaven had to offer. He experienced every hardship, every frustration, every type of task and tension that we know today. And he did that because he loves us and he reaches out to touch and encourage our lives. Even in this moment, our Lord and Savior is saying, I know you can do it. I created you. You are capable. You are talented. You are called and more than that, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need. You can do it. The Holy Spirit is saying that right now, even in this moment. And maybe, maybe the encouragement you need is to give some encouragement to somebody else. Because Christ comes close to you. You can come close to others. You can be the hands and feet of Jesus to someone else today. You can shadow the incarnational ministry of Jesus because you know that for someone, your word or your action of encouragement is the difference between life and death in ministry and in mission in their life. Can you be an encouragement to someone else even today? Can you feel encouragement From the Holy Spirit who is with you now, encouraging you, reminding you that you are called, you are gifted, and that he is here with you. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for your presence. And because you are here, because you are with us, because you are Emmanuel, we have the the wonderful opportunity to encourage each other. In fact, it's not only an opportunity, it's part of our ministry. It's part of our mission, our calling to be a blessing to others. Lord, help us to be people who are not only encouraged by you, but people who encourage each other in you. Help us to be people of encouragement, people who have experienced the life and death, the resurrection of Jesus in our own lives so that we may be who you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you and we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen.